Listen up, real estate investors, entrepreneurs, and agents. You're in the right place. Unlocking the secrets to real estate investing and entrepreneurship. Welcome to the Titanium Vault, hosted by RJ Bates III. Here's RJ. I'm your host, RJ Bates. Today, I'm sitting down with my good buddy, Justin Peters. How you doing, man? Doing great, brother. Glad to be here with you, my man. Yeah, yeah. So this is this has been a long time coming, man. You and I have been talking about doing an interview for a while, and I'm just I'm excited to break down your business and see how you guys have grown over the past couple of years. So, uh, kind of briefly introduce yourself and break down what it is that you do in real estate investing. Yeah, man. So uh, my name is Justin Peters. Uh, I'm the proud owner of a company here in the Dallas Fort Worth Metroplex called JC Homebuyers. And, uh, you know, our prime focus as of right now is wholesaling. We do fix and flips, um, doing some buying holds. We're looking to get more on the, the creative side as well, man. But, uh, you know, more than anything, you know, we've been focusing on building a system and a team to where we can have consistent deal flow, uh, focusing on adding value to the homeowners. And with that in place, then kind of expand out to all the different options uh, that real estate offers. And so... A uh, little bit just about me, who I am, and how I, I got to to where I am. You know, growing up, RJ, I was a pretty, I was your knucklehead kid, man. Grew up in a little town west of Fort Worth called Alito, Texas. Yep. And most people from the Metroplex literally have no idea where Alito, Texas is. It's one of those towns. Uh, and it's known for football and Pretty much football. That, that, yeah, that's exactly. <laughs> that's what it's known for, football. <laughs> yeah, man. So I grew up there, man. And, uh, you know, I was your, your average kid growing up. I cared more about hanging out with my buddies and sports and never really had a, a focus on education or anything like that, man. Didn't have anyone in my family uh, ever went to college or anything. And, you know, one of the things that kind of got me here, and I bring just this first part up, man, is because – I'll never forget, kind of fast forwarding to my senior year there at Alito High School. Uh, it was like a Tuesday, man, and everyone was starting to get like their, their acceptance letters for colleges and kind of getting an idea of what that next chapter is going to look like and wearing their, their sweaters and shirts and kind of just posting it online and everything. And there I was, didn't have a clue, man. I mean, I applied to a few colleges uh, and I knew I wasn't going to, I think I like had to apply. It was like a requirement at my school, uh, got denied to every single one of them, man. And it was the first time in my life. I kind of was always that guy that just kind of went, went with the flow and figured, Hey, everything's going to work out. I don't have to apply myself. I'll, I'll figure that stuff out when it comes. And for too long, man, once that kind of hit me, I kind of stopped in my tracks. I was like, man, what in the world am I going to do with my life? Like I, this class clown and being decent at sports, there's no future in that. It's pretty hard to, to make money playing sports and hanging with friends uh, in this day and age. And I just remember thinking to myself, man, like, what am I going to do? Like, I have no skills. I have no direction of what the future looks like. And everyone around me was ready to rock and roll and had exact clarity on what was going on. Uh, and I remember at that time, man, one of the most, like, important – two word questions I asked myself was, uh, what if, and I, I bring this up because still to this day, I use those two words, what if, to kind of help me level up, uh, still in, in my day and age where we're at with our business. And I remember thinking, man, like, what if I keep doing everything I've done up to this point 
and don't apply myself and I'm just that guy that kind of wings it, what is my life going to be like? You know, what am I going to, what am I going to do? And then I started kind of thinking on the contrary, RJ, what if I could be that dude that changes it all around? What if I could just apply myself, go down to maybe a junior college and learn how to be an actual student and make decent grades. I mean, I was a guy that, I mean, I literally graduated in like the bottom 5% of my class. It was, <laughs> it was bad. I didn't know anything on SAT, didn't know how to apply for the ACT, just none of that stuff, man. And, uh, you know, those questions I asked myself started kind of becoming a reality. So what if I could go to a junior college and then maybe go to a major university? What if I could start making straight A's? What if I could, you know, find something that I'm going to be passionate about and give everything I have to it and make something of myself? And so fast forward, man, uh, ended up going down to a little junior college there in uh, Blinn, Texas, right next to College Station where Texas A&M is at, and just changed everything about me, man. A dude that never once read a book. I mean, we're talking Dr. Seuss, man. I couldn't even get through one of those back in uh, started started reading books consistently, investing in myself, studying people that had been there and that had done it. And I started realizing, man, a lot of these people were very similar to me. Like there was nothing special about them, but they just got so committed with this vision they had yep. that they weren't going to stop until they could become that person they were they were meant to be, and that they knew they had the potential to be. Uh, and so, kind of how I got here, man. Just a, a quick story is. I started at Texas A&M, and I ended up, you know, turning around, making great grades there. I graduated cum laude from A&M, had a ton of student debt, and so I spent the first year after college uh, in the oil and gas industry. It was the only job I knew I could make that I could pay uh, that stuff off so I could really just jump straight into the industry uh, with, with no debt hanging on my, my head, you know what I mean? And uh, so went down to, to West Texas worked 18, 20 hour days. It was an absolute grind, but a year later, uh, was able to have all my student loans paid off and I had gotten my real estate license my senior year of college because I knew that's what I wanted to do. I didn't know exactly what it was, but I knew real estate was where I wanted to put all my focus at uh, somehow or another. And uh, long story short, man, started off with a few companies in the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex, a new Western for a few months, uh, helped with, you know, Freddie actually start up a brokerage that he had. And then I got recruited by a company called uh, Open Door that I had never heard about whenever they started reaching out to me on LinkedIn and uh, got on with them, spent uh, two and a half years uh, helping them, you know, bring up the Dallas-Fort Worth market and started realizing the, the possibilities of what we were dealing with and learned how to really structure a business, learn the software, the, the leadership abilities and everything that, you know, I really didn't have much experience in up to that point and decided to take a, a leap of faith, man. Sank my ships and said, you know what? I, I see an opportunity. I feel like I have enough ability to give this thing a shot, to, to start my own company, to be an entrepreneur and, you know, see what happens. And with all the habits I was able to create up to that point, um, you know, looking back on it, man, it was the best decision slash scariest decision I ever made. And uh, started up the company Jay Z Home Buyers, man, in 2017, November of 2017. So uh, that's kind of just a quick story of where I am, how I got to to be the owner of Jay Z Home Buyers, man, and the rest is just kind of history, brother. Awesome. Well, before I before I jump into the real estate stuff, I do have to ask you a football question. Go for it. So you played football for Alita, right? Yes, sir. I, I'm going to assume you were a cornerback. I was a cornerback. You're right. Oh, baby. That's what I'm talking about. 
you got to that. that, okay? that I, I, for everyone listening, I did not know that, okay? I'm purely <laughs> basing that off of looking at him, okay? Now, I wanted to be a football coach back in the day, so there you go. I, I still got those skills. I could I could see the way. Oh, yeah, I think you still got so many. That may be something in the future you can still dive into. Right, right. So, <laughs> all right. So, one of the, the one of the things that I want to touch on on your story there, uh, obviously, that's an incredible journey. But on the, the real estate side of things, you started off with New Western. Yes, sir. So, for the people that don't know what New Western is, for most of us, we refer to them as like a big box wholesaler. Mm-hmm. Um, they, I think they believe that they have like 35 different offices across the country, something along those lines. Yeah. So what was that experience like and what was your role there with it, with that company? Yes. Yeah. So one of the, the good things about starting with a company like New Western versus going and, you know, starting like a Keller Williams on the traditional side of things is I, I realized like real estate has a lot more than just representing a, a seller and a buyer in a transaction. I started I understand there, there was a lot more to the, the beast of the real estate industry than just what, you know, I had been taught or what I'd read in books up to that point. And really New Western, what they are is they're, they're a sales force, man. They're an absolute dominant sales force that uh, for the most part, take other wholesalers deals and they're able to kind of double wholesale them. Yep. Uh, but with, in the organization, man, they've got, you know, their sales team, which is where you start out. And then they've got their acquisition team. And so what I learned more than anything working there was just being able to, one, kind of learn the language of, you know, what wholesaling meant, uh, the fix and flip side of things, the buy and holds, and really learning how to sell, learning how to get in a very uncomfortable situation and talk to people and put yourself out there and fell and fell and fell again uh, until things started really kind of starting to click for you. And it was one of those, you, you're going to figure it out or you're not, and if you don't, well, we'll find the next guy that's going to jump in. So it was a, a very eye-opening experience for me, but I was able to learn a lot while I was there, and I made a lot of good friends. It was a, a really cool experience, man, to say the least. Yeah, and, and I don't want this interview to turn into, like, a showcase for New Western Acquisitions, but <laughs> I, I just briefly want to touch on it. Like, there's a lot of people, especially in markets where New Western does, you know, significant volume, 30, 40 deals a month, where there's a negative connotation about New Western. And I'll be honest with you, like, I have great connections with that company. I've also had terrible experiences where I've been circumvented on a deal, I've been Mm -hmm. sold a deal, and then it, it, you know, it got yanked away from me because someone offered more and lots of different scenarios. What people need to understand is it's a very large company, a Very. very large company and a ton of people to manage. And they are trusting that their acquisitions people, their dispositions people are going to do the right thing. In mm-hmm. any large company, that's not the case. There's right. going to be people that are not going to do the right things, and they handle that situation. So just want to say that. And, and you know what? I think it's you brought up a really good point in the fact that it was a great experience for you to learn some of the in and outs of this industry without having to go float your own entity right off the bat. Right. So when you went from New Western to Open Door, is that right? Yeah, well, so me and Freddie actually kind of synced up, and okay. uh, he was at New Western with me, and then we, I helped him with his brokerage, and then at that point, uh, started getting recruited by Open Door, and you know, looked at it as a pretty cool opportunity that I didn't think was going to really ever come around. It was a startup company, uh, had a totally different vision of what they were trying to do on the, on the real estate side, and so I kind of took the leap and jumped on, and 
was really happy that I did so. So I'll touch base on the open door situation. So open door is a tool in our tool belt right now mm-hmm. where we could take properties down and sell them to open door yeah. without doing anything to them. <laughs> and what's funny about this is, is that I've set in masterminds with hundreds of highly successful investors and the, the aura in the room is these I buyers like open door and, and now Zillow has jumped in on this. And, you know, in, in Phoenix, there's like 150 of these I buyers. Like they just have billboards everywhere. Um, the, the, there's fear, right? That they're going to come in and they're going to ruin us. We're the small guys. And because they're backed by all this huge capital that, when we can only offer, you know, a hundred thousand, they could come in and offer 130,000. And so they're going to put us out of business. Well, what I decided was, is no, they're willing to pay 130,000. So I still go buy the house at a hundred and I sell it to them for 130. They are my best buyer. I'm not fearful of them. I'm thankful for them. Absolutely. You know, I'm, I'm literally, Today, I just sent over uh, my title policy and my closing docs and a property I closed on last week because they're already buying it. I had my inspection yesterday. You know, I mean, they're not the the go-to buyer. You're right. You're absolutely right, man. And it kind of brings up the point of what we were talking about before, RJ. You got to look at situations like that. It's not about competition, man. It's about collaboration. If you can change that mindset and understand like, hey, and not to mention, man, we've had several homeowners that we've purchased houses from. And because uh, we focus on quality, not necessarily the mass quantity these iBuyers do, man, a lot of what we do is based on relationships. And so we've been able to make, even if it's a lower offer, uh, being able to come in, build that rapport, and gain that trust with these homeowners. And we beat out these iBuyers. Uh, Absolutely. It's not hard to do. I mean, to be honest with you, their marketing is pushing them to a website. That is, it's cold. There's nothing warm about that. You know, it's like, go to a website, fill this out. We're going to ask you every single detailed question about this property. And to be quite frank, it's going to be hard for most homeowners to answer all of those questions. Mm-hmm. Cause there's going to be things on there. It's like, I don't know if I, I don't know about my house. Like, I don't know if this is, <laughs> you know? And so it's easy for us because that's the world we live in. Right. And so when you compare that to we're sending things out where we're immediately talking to them, we're on the phone or we're going to their house and we're meeting with them. Their process is also a bit cumbersome in the fact that it's, Hey, I'm going to go on a website and then it says, we'll get you an offer within 24 hours. And then you receive an email that says, here's your offer, 130,000. And then you click through all the prompts and it says your net proceeds are $100,000. Now for you and I, we understand why. Right. For a normal homeowner, it's like, but you said 130, what happened to $30,000? I don't understand this. But when you and I sit down with a homeowner, we say $100,000. And the only thing we're going to ask for you to pay is your prorated taxes and any underlying liens. Yeah. Do you understand this? And then we can build rapport in the sales process and some of the calls that 
or some of the podcasts that we've had recently with people like Scott Bowers and John Martinez, where we've talked about the sales process, that's where these skills come in. Absolutely. And so as investors, we can't fear the, the I buyers. We should utilize them as, as a, a tool. So with you having that insight to open door, I mean, what are some of the tips that you could give investors on how to utilize them or what they're looking for or just any kind of insight to, to the open door situation right now? Yeah, man. So I think more than anything, you've got to really understand that they're going to have a, a buy box, right? So these guys, they have a criteria. If it's a 1959 year build, I believe. So it used to be 1916 above. So if it's 1959, they're not going to look at these houses. And so a lot of wholesalers, fix and flippers that are just, you know, they're so narrow focused on trying to say, okay, our ARB times a certain percentage minus our rehab. Well, you got to kind of change that up, man, because there's so many opportunities, just like you said, to capitalize on to where, you know, where you're not going to see it on a formula base for it to be profitable. When you look at it from selling it and disposing it to an iBuyer, there's 15, 20, $30,000 profits that are sitting there waiting for, for you to be able to capitalize on, man, that most people just don't know even exists because they don't have that knowledge. And so my thing is, man, I would highly recommend open doors and a handful of markets now. So studying not only their platform, but studying OfferPad, studying, studying Zillow, uh, there's so many iBuyers now, like you've said, but really understanding what their criteria is, how their process works, you know, what their repair ask is going to be, uh, the timeframes and all that good stuff, and start having more confidence in taking down these deals that up at this point you've just simply overlooked. Um, and so what I've done, man, is I've reached out. They've got agents on in almost every single market, and I've just let them know, hey, you know, this is kind of what I'm going to be looking to do. Um, I'm going to submit the offer. Uh, if I have equal interest in the home, I'm going to get a very clear idea of where they're going to come in at. And then based on repairs of what I think they're going to need to do to, cause they're not, they're not fixing these houses up like a flipper is, man. They're not going in there and putting 40, $50,000 and trying to hit uh, the peak of the market. That's just not their model. Um, and so knowing just how they operate, how the renovations work uh, and knowing their buy power is a huge way to be able to leverage a lot of leads that most people just, are thrown in the trash nowadays. Absolutely. And here's the thing. It's about paying attention to what other people are doing. Okay. Yep. The reason why I had this idea to sell houses to open door is because my neighbor across the street decided to sell his house. He showed up one day and he's packing everything up. I walked over there and said, Hey man, what's going on? Oh, I got transferred to my job, blah, blah, blah. I said, well, you know, I'm a real estate investor. I'd, I'd love to buy your house. And he said, yeah, I've got an offer from Open Door for X amount of dollars, but they're going to come do the repair assessment. Well, I was ignorant, right? I had sat in that room and heard all of these investors tell me, yeah, man, they beat you up on those repairs. You know, they'll tell you you'll net this much, but then when they do the repairs, they'll hit you for 20 or 30,000. <laughs> so I didn't know any better. I just listened to all my buddies. So that's why I told the homeowner. Well, they, they hit them up for $2,700. They destroyed him for 2700 you know? <laughs> and so I told him, I'll match whatever open door will we'll net you. Well, then when he called me, I said, dude, I, I, can't, I can't match it. Because what I thought the ARV was, this is my neighborhood that I live in. I said the ARV. I said, this is the ARV. They sold that for $30,000 more than what I thought the ARV was. They went in there and they did something that I didn't think could be done. 
Mm-hmm. And so I started thinking to myself, okay, I want to leverage that. They have an ability that I don't have, right? Absolutely. What's the ability we do have? We can go find houses and we can sell them to them. So yeah. just in the past month, we're going to make $100,000 net by selling deals to open door. I love it. I love it's it. just about paying attention and going, hey, you know what? I'm not the smartest person. Open door is smarter than me. <laughs> Let them, hey, guess what? They're probably going to go make money on those deals because all of us, you know, we want to sit around and be like, yeah, they're losing money. They have to be losing money. Nah, nope. I'm watching it. They made money there. Sold them that deal. They made money there. You know, so it's like, for sure. Yeah. So, all right, moving away from that. So, you know, from Open Door, you decided to start Jay Z Home Buyers. So, what is Jay Z Home Buyers? Do you have partners? What does your team look like there? Yeah, man. So, I'm actually the sole owner of Jay Z Home Buyers. We've got a team right now of 22 people on our team. So, we've got 18 full-time, uh, the breakdown of this, then four part-time. So we've got four acquisition managers on our team, uh, six SMS specialists that handle our text messaging campaigns, uh, two cold callers that are full-time. Uh, we've got market analysts. So what a market analyst is to us uh, is a team of people that we have that are going and driving the neighborhoods, man. So we use Deal Machine. We utilize that very heavily. Uh, with back-end VA support and make sure that we're always focusing on lists that you, you just can't buy on the internet from any other type of lead source. And so that's a big part of our marketing as well. Um, and then we've got a full-time VA admin from my desk that is an absolute game changer for us as well. And then a full-time employee uh, is our admin slash transactional coordinator slash uh, data entry on our team. And then four you know, VAs that help with uh, back-end data entry as well. So that's a pretty quick rise to 22 people. I mean, tw- late 2017 to, to now here we are, you know, I guess we'll call it two and a half years later. Yeah. 22 people. So how, how do you manage 22 people that quickly? I mean, that's a lot yeah. of onboarding, training, things along those lines. Right. Man, so first and foremost, I, I've got to sit here and just humble myself and say that I couldn't do it without the people that have been on this team from the beginning that have gone through the thick and thin with me from the ups and the downs and the, you know, not knowing if we we're going to be able to get a deal in the first six months, man, we didn't even have a deal come in, but we just kept focused. We had a belief and we knew we surround ourselves with the right people like Brent Daniels, TTP, the tribes that we're in and learning from the right people that in due time it was day. Representing my man. Shout out to Brent Daniels over there. Yeah. We, we knew it was going to come to fruition. And so uh, that's been a huge part of it, man. Got a, a right-hand man that's been with me since day one that uh, has really stepped up and taken a lot of ownership of what we've done. and allowed me to focus on the 50,000-foot view, which has been a huge help. But also, really to answer your question, RJ, as far as how I've been able to build a team like that and, you know, with us having a record-breaking year of transactions, a lot of it had to do with just going dark, man and committing myself to knowing, hey, I'm going to sacrifice hanging out with friends. I'm going to sacrifice doing a lot of things that, you know, give me joy because I know this sacrifice is ultimately going to get me to a point that it's going to be well worth it in the end. Um, During that time is tough. I mean, it's, it's very tough to do things that you necessarily don't want to do, but you know you have to do to become that person to, to create that business in the amount of time that you're trying to do it. Uh, and so a lot of it came to just insane discipline, man, and putting all of my focus, all of my eggs in one basket and saying, look, whatever it takes, I'm going to do it. I don't know 
so much of this stuff, man. But if it takes me a thousand times to have to study something, it may take another person one time. I'm going to be that guy that's going to do it a thousand times every single time until I get it down, until I master it, and then boom, delegate it, move on to the next one. And just having that mindset has been able to get me uh, to this point with the right people and the right seats. And it's been, it's been a journey to say the least. It's been hard. A lot of emotional ups and downs, as you know, man, just any type of business. But uh, the growth I've been able to have from it, from everything I've learned and how much I've been humbled, it's been the coolest and probably best experience I've ever had in my entire life and it would be a business owner. So sure. you said you, you've got a record-breaking year as far as volume. What does that volume look like? Yeah, man. So in just Dallas-Fort Worth alone, we're looking like we're going to close 97 deals this year. Nice. Uh, we went from, I think, 23 in 2017. And then this year, yeah, we're looking at 93, hopefully 95. There's two that are kind of uh, in the gray area as far as us having to push into the – after the first of the year – um, but yeah, man, 93 deals. Looking back on that, I would have literally never thought that was going to be possible within two years. Of doing it. I mean, I was hoping to maybe hit 50 and then next thing you know, uh, here we are. So kind of goes back to having a vision, man, of just knowing that, Hey, if other people are doing it, so can you put your head down and get to work. Things, things can happen, man. That's sure. funny, man. I, I, I see so much of myself in you, man. Um, I, I remember that, that first year that we, you know, did, you know, a hundred deals. And it was like, how did that happen? <laughs> that wasn't the goal. You're just, you're like, your head like, I know. Is, I was like, did we, it, did we it's funny. Cause it doesn't feel that way. You know, it's like, yeah. you, you know, you're doing a lot, but you're kind of in it, you know? And it's like, you're rolling, you're just closing deals. And then it's like, at some point in time, you go look at the KPIs and you actually do the math and you add it up. And it's like, wow. That's that's pretty that's pretty intense. Like we did this, yeah. Like a hundred people in the past twelve months sold me their house, and then somehow I found a hundred people to buy that house in a short time frame. Like that's impressive, you know. So yeah, really? when you, when you start thinking about it, it's like this business is very simple. You don't really like in all intents and purposes compared to other businesses. This is a simple. Oh, for sure. Then when it's like when you actually think about the impact that we're having on people, like that's incredible. So you said just DFW, are you doing anything outside of DFW? No. So in 2020, man, one of our, our main goals is, you know, obviously there's so many people that are going virtual and starting to really capitalize on opportunities outside of their, their markets. And so that's going to be a big focus with us, uh, utilizing prop stream, things like that and, and expanding into other markets and utilizing our infrastructure that we have here in DFW kind of at our, our hub having boots on the ground and start going into to other markets to increase the the impact we're going to make on these homeowners that we're gotcha. able to serve. So, out of the the ninety plus deals that you're going to do this year, how many of those were wholesales? How many flips were you doing? Was it mainly wholesales, or what? What did that breakdown look like? Yeah, man. So definitely, majority uh, have been wholesales. I would say probably. 80 of them have been wholesales, 90 uh, have been, you know, kind of the hotel model where we do a very, you know, minor lipstick to it and throw it on the market. And then, uh, you know, the last five that we're doing are going to be buying hold properties that I'm actually taking down on my end to kind of start building up a portfolio uh, for tax advantages and, and things like that. But uh, yeah, majority of our business, man, has been straight wholesale, just focusing on that, that one thing and, and trying to master that before we start moving into to other aspects. So do you feel like now at this point in time, you have 
the systems and processes on the wholesaling business nailed down to where you can start transitioning to doing other strategies? Is that kind of something that you feel like you've, it's a well-oiled machine, Justin could go away for two months and it's going to continue to work? Yeah. So I had a, probably the coolest experience of my life. I went elk hunting on, I think it was like October 14th, man. And up till that point, uh, you know, cause building a business, RJ, you know, you, it's all in man. Whenever you're first starting out to, to gain that momentum up to that point, I had taken a single vacation since I started uh, Jay-Z home buyers really straight from the open door to Jay-Z home buyers, not one vacation. And so that was the first time I was able to literally step away from more than like one day and say, Hey, things are literally okay. I've got team members that can own their lanes that are accountable, that can get things done, man. And for that time, letting go was very difficult for me to do. I think, I don't think it was that they weren't ready before then. I think it was more so I was, I was afraid to just let go and allow it to happen because I was scared of me not having that control of it. But once I did, and once I realized when I let go, I came back and there's, there's new systems in place. People are stepping up that really hadn't stepped up before. And I was like, man, I, I need to leave more often. Like we're, we're literally leveling up whenever that happens, man, because people realize like this is the time for me to kind of shine my light and show that, Hey, I've got what it takes to one, grow this business and keep the wheels turning like they have been. So right. it was a really cool experience that happened, man. And um, since then, you know, I've really tried to focus on, you know, separating myself and not having so much control over every department and letting those people that have the potential step up and be the leaders they're capable of being. Right. I remember when I was an assistant manager for Pizza Hut, when the general manager would go on vacation, I would show up and it was like, this is my time to shine. Yeah. Like <laughs> I want the restaurant to run better because I'm in charge. And mm -hmm. I, I would bleed for that week to make sure it was better. And then he would show up and it's like, yeah, yeah that's right. Yeah, that Everything was, was better because I was in charge, you know? So that, but that's because he had the right person underneath him, right? Like that's mm -hmm. how much I cared about doing my job. So yeah, if you have those, the right people underneath you, then yeah, the company will run better when you're gone. They want to impress you. They want to show you how much that they can do for the company. That's also because you're opening up opportunities for them. You know, I mean, yeah. it's, so that's, that's awesome that you were able to experience that, man. Um, moving forward into 2020, I, I know you talked a little bit about going virtual and some other markets, but where do you go from here? Like, what do, what do your goals look like for 2020? Yeah, man. So up to this point, you know, my overall vision when I started on the wholesaling side, it wasn't to to be a wholesaler the entire time. I wanted to really create a system of, like you said, a well-oiled machine to where we had consistent inventory coming in. And then from there, you know, I wanted to go deep before I went wide more than anything else. And I knew a lot of the, the power that you get from having opportunities comes from one, being able to have the deals first, right? Right. Uh, and so in 2020, man, a big focus of ours is obviously to, to keep increasing our, our monthly deal flow of inventory coming in, uh, but also start focusing on flips more, systematizing that when it makes more sense from a, a marginal standpoint uh, to have flips and the process and systems down. I mean, the five flips I've done this year, man, I've, you talk about, if you think flipping is going to be like wholesaling, you've got another thing. <laughs> yeah. 
uh, and learn the hard way, man. And then, you know, also partnering up with uh, some guys that are really into the sub to the owner financing. So we can look at these deals that are coming in and not just focus, like I said, from a narrow mindset and start seeing multiple possibilities where we can add value and service these homeowners that we otherwise just haven't been able to do up at this point. So that's, that's kind of what 2020 is, man. Just taking what we currently have, our foundation of deals, um, expanding on it and creating more opportunities for the team, uh, everyone that's, that's working with us and also uh, providing better service to the homeowners as well. Yeah. So you talk about the foundation of the company there. I see right over your, your right shoulder, you've got vision and, and the core values written down, man. So, so that's yeah. a little bit of the, the traction or the Rockefeller, or, you know, yeah. it, where, where did that come from? How did you come up with that yourself? Yeah, man. So I, uh, I read traction and yeah. once I started reading it, you know, I had, kind of an idea of business but then when you start really breaking it down like traction does you start realizing like man it's i've been way over complicating this stuff like right it's actually fairly easy once you start realizing what the six components are to, to have a successful business man and so first thing in traction it teaches you you know your core values you need to make sure you're hiring you're firing you're rewarding by what standards you set with the company uh, and so with our, our core values man we try to make it to where hey our number one focus is simplicity Let's get these homeowners the absolute simplest way in the world to sell a home. And at the same time, let's not make things inside our operations complex either. Let's always say, okay, is this the most simple way to do something? We've got execution. So, you know, talking about things is cute. So many people like to talk nowadays, but the only thing that's really rewarded is being able to take an idea and then be able to execute on that idea. Uh, so we focus heavily on that. And then we've got, you know, another one is going to be value. Always making sure value is in our first position, making sure that no matter what we do, we're not going to be the right fit for the homeowner. You know, you give them the value they need that they want as if it was your grandma. Like treat every person as if there's someone in your family and you focus on value and the rest, the money, all the other stuff is going to get taken care of, man. And, uh, you know, I've got more Kaizen, which is just consistent improvement. Uh, trust, which is, you know, always be a truth teller, truth seeker, and then just straight ownership of what you're doing. And so with everyone we've hired on and really preaching those core values, man, I think that's being able to implement that was a huge impact on us all kind of understanding, Hey, this is our vision. Here's our core values. And when we start to slip, it's not us getting onto them and saying, Hey man, you know, we, we all agreed. We took ownership to, to live up to these core values. Let's make sure we can get back on track. So we're, we're hitting that, that execution, that ownership or that Kaiser, or that trust or whatever it may be. And it's, it's been huge being able to implement that because it's a true system that uh, without it, you know, you're kind of just winging it and hoping it all works out. It's structured it a lot better for us, for sure. Oh, man. Man, oh, man. That, that's awesome right there. Hey, for anyone that's read Traction, another part of that book is, is if you cannot sit there and recite what your core values are, then it's not a core value. Anybody can write really cool shit on a wall, okay, and call it a core value. But if you got to look up there and be like, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Ownership. Yeah. That's one of them. Uh, that ain't a core value. So yeah. you just rattled those off, Bubba. Like those, that is your core values. Like that is what y'all are about. That's Amen. what Jay-Z homebuyers is about right there. So I love that, man. That's that kind of stuff that, that is, that's why you're, you're having the success that you're having, man. You sat down and you thought about what you wanted your company to look like. Everything is based around that foundation right there, you know? And, Absolutely. uh, 
the amazing thing about it is, is that it's your responsibility to be the visionary, right? To cast yeah. that vision and make sure everybody understands it. Sounds yeah. like you've, you've created an incredible team around those core values and that vision. Um, that's why you're, you're overachieving. And I'll be honest with you, man, I, I, I am so blessed to be able to, to talk to top performers from around the country, not only with the podcast, but uh, masterminds, going to their offices. You know, just yesterday, um, I, I was talking to you. I was at Bat Skip Tracing's office, yeah. Brent Daniels and Chris Ontiveros and Jesse Burrell and Pace Morby and all these guys that are just crushing it. But I will say, um, it is a pretty consistent theme across the country that 2019 was a difficult year. Most people did not grow this year. So congrats to you for what you guys have been able to accomplish because that's not only a, a testament to y'all's company, but also the time in which you did it where most people are having a difficult time. That's awesome. I now understand why 2019 was a difficult year for me. It's because you came in and you took all of the deals. <laughs> so, no, I'm, I'm just playing. RJ, man. <laughs> <laughs> but no, man, that that's awesome. Uh, so that's that's where you want to go in 2020. Um, Long term, man, what what do you want for Justin Peters? Well, I mean, is man. it all Jay-Z home buyers? Is there something outside of real estate? What, do you, what is you know, it? I, that's a, a great question super powerful one too man i think uh with anyone you never want to look at building a company as being kind of that that why for your making the money from the company for me i want to use real estate i want to use this platform to be able to inspire to be able to motivate to be able to truly impact i mean millions of people and somehow or another uh real estate's one of those things i'm passionate about but this isn't this isn't what really just is the main drive for me the main drive for me is being able to help others uh real estate allows you to help others but i want to do it on a much larger scale and so you know being able to see guys like you man i mean beat kids cancer things like that i mean that's that's what it's about it really is it's about being able to truly make an impact much much bigger than ourselves much bigger than any dollar sign can can bring in from a company and so yeah. my long-term vision rj it's i'm not sure exactly what that is man but i want to make uh make an impact i want to help people i want to let people know, man, no matter what you've been through, no matter what life has may, may have been up to this point, like you, you can break through it and you can turn everything around uh, more so than you could ever imagine. Uh, so that's well, kind of just the big picture. Man. Yeah. Well, while I kind of compliment you on a couple of things, uh, think about your final thoughts and we'll wrap up the episode, but I want you to go ahead and, and realize something that you, you talk about, you want to impact millions of people. Just this year alone, you bought. We'll, we'll call it a hundred. Yeah, that, that sounds cooler, man. I like we'll it. call it, we'll call it a hundred <laughs> homes. That majority of those were going to be impacting not only the seller but their families, and then you wholesaled those to other investors at a rate in which they should be able to profit, which benefits their business their employees, all of those people's families. There's people out there that are sending their kids to private school or playing sports or are able to have an amazing Christmas because of the houses that you guys bought and sold. And when you actually start thinking about it, impacting millions of people, 
over the course of a couple of years, you are doing that. And it's not maybe directly, but it, it's a little bit indirectly. Uh, but without you sitting down and reading traction and saying, I'm going to come up with our core values and this is the vision and this is our mission statement and holding people accountable to that. Would there have probably been somebody else come along and buy that house? Probably. Yeah. But you did it and you were impacting those people's lives and you should be proud of that. And so I just wanted to let you know that because sometimes, man, we're so much in the grind of this and so much about transactions and so much about revenue and marketing dollars spent and all of those different things. That's all important. Yeah. But at the end of the day, some of us that are the visionaries that sit in these seats, um, we need to pat ourselves on the back every now and then and realize, hey, uh, things that I want to do, I'm already doing them. Amen. I'm all on my way. So. Amen. Thank you for that, man. That, that yeah. So, so final thoughts before we wrap up this interview. Yeah, man. Uh, so for anyone out there that, I don't know, if you've got a successful business, great. If you're looking to get, get into business or take that, that leap, man, my biggest advice is understand this. The, the struggle is guaranteed, uh, but success is not. It's the, it's the cold hard truth. And what I also do know from that is that you have the ability to be that person that most people only dream of being. You've got more potential inside of you to accomplish anything that you want to go after. You're usually only living up to about 40% of your capabilities, so stretch and commit and go through the pain as much as it takes if you've got a true mission and a true why for who you want to be and what you want to do in this life just know that you're capable of doing it um, and if there's something that you're passionate about go all in commit to it sink your ships go dark do whatever it takes the ones that doubt you or make fun of you or friends they'll see you before too long um, and so that's just encouragement I want to give to anyone that may be looking to take that leap man because when I heard something similar to that, it made me realize like, hey man, if these guys are doing it, so can I. I'm gonna have to work my tail off, it's gonna be hard, I'm gonna go through some very dark times, but I'm gonna get through it and it's all gonna, it's all gonna be worth it. And so my final thoughts on that, man, is just go all in, man. Commit to it and know that you have the ability to become whatever the heck you wanna be in this life. Awesome, man. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story, breaking down that journey from, you know, Alito High School, cornerback, nailed it, uh, you know, to, to finding your way, you know, realizing that you wanted to live up to the potential that you had. New Western, Open Door, working with Freddie, now Jay-Z Homebuyers. It's an awesome journey, man. I can't wait to continue to watch you to, to grow and, and see where you go in the future years. Uh, guys, that's, that's our episode for this week. If you enjoyed it, share it with somebody. Share it on Facebook, Instagram, tag myself, tag Justin. Um, if you're listening on iTunes, leave us a five-star review. That helps us get this, get this word out to more people. If you're watching on YouTube, make sure you subscribe. Give us a thumbs up. Okay? That's our episode. Thank you, guys. Thanks so much for listening to the Titanium Vault with your host, RJ Bates III. For more info and to stay up to date, visit www.podcast.thetitaniumvault.com and on facebook.com slash thetitaniumvault. If you enjoyed the episode, please rate and review, and we'll catch you next time on the Titanium Vault.